You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Let them go. Chapter 7. Course of Action Here's the situation as I see it, said Rafe, holding court over the room. Rebecca stood, arms folded to one side. Cleo sat in her favourite tapered cream armchair, while Dawson paced, his pipe clamped between his jaws. Amanda was attacked by a wild man who came from the woods, who then gave chase as we returned to the house. We do not know whether he is still out there. He fits the description of an escaped lunatic whom we have been instructed by the authorities to make the police aware of, and without a doubt, my wife needs medical attention. My first impulse is to leave the house, make my way down the road, and either find my way to town or flag down a passing carriage and pay the occupants to return here with me so that we can take Amanda to a doctor. Or, at least call upon one who could come here at this hour. After that first priority is attended to, the police can be alerted and will most likely comb this area for the next day or so until the fellow is found. That seems eminently sensible. Then the matter is settled. Mrs. Spencer, do you have any brandy to see us through until they arrive? However... Interjected Rafe. Dawson's face fell. If I venture out unarmed, I leave myself open to attack, should the man attempt to pursue me. That has happened to me once today. I do not wish to have it happen again. I know that I cannot outrun him. And you can't disappear off with the shotgun? Precisely. Because it leaves the four of you defenceless. So what other avenues of possibility do we have open to us? I don't mean to be foolish in my line of thinking here. Said Cleo. But uh, have you considered talking to this man? Perhaps he is simply hungry and and confused. You may have frightened him. Rebecca and Rafe exchanged looks. Lunatic he may be. Diseased also and, and frenzied. But... He is still a human being. With the greatest respect, Cleo, I have seen what human beings can do to one another. And could those conflicts you bore witness to not have been brought to a more fruitful conclusion with negotiation? He has wants and needs. Those we can work with. Those wants and needs may be beyond his comprehension now. It is the diseased frenzy we cannot ignore. It makes him untrustworthy, dangerous, and unpredictable. Even if we can bring him to a moment of lucidity, that may not last. He drew himself up sternly. We cannot be gentle, understanding, and naive here. It could cost us dearly. Oh, blow the bastard's head off, then. I wasn't disputing the danger. I was exploring what possible options we have available. But please do not call me naive, young man. I attended to the wounded chartists at Newport Rising, and I saw what was done to the ringleaders. So I'm more than familiar with what savagery men are capable of. Forgive my rudeness. I'm attempting to keep our heads on the subject of survival. And I trust you in that regard. What else could we do? We could attempt the walk together. I'm not going out there, Dawson blurted. I don't think either Amanda or Cleo can walk fast or far. I am perfectly prepared to try, said Cleo. We could ask Amanda if she is as well. Rafe studied the group his mind seeming momentarily far away. 
not with only one weapon between the five of us. We could arm ourselves with what else is in the house. We have knives, I'm sure, and a wood-chopping axe. None of you are trained in combat. It's too high a risk. Why aren't we talking about simply waiting until morning? Dawson demanded. The coach will be here in... He checked his pocket watch. Less than 18 hours. Because my wife has been bitten, and there is a chance of infection. I tell you again, this Egyptian ra- I care not one bit what you are comfortable with believing, sir. Whether it is Egyptian rabies, or common or garden rabies, or simply the infection passed on from the germ-infested human mouth of a man who has been living rough, it presents a danger to my wife, and there is nothing anyone can say that will prevent me from taking action to get her medical attention. What we are ascertaining in this room is the manner in which that can be done which puts the fewest of us in danger. And I believe you have just sealed that plan of action. What? I'm going outside. I shall hunt that fellow down with this gun, and I shall kill him. There is no better alternative that does not endanger Amanda in a more pronounced fashion. He glanced at Rebecca. I only wish I had done this sooner, as I might have more light and she might have more hours. Can we... converse in the scullery? Rebecca asked and ushered him through to the small, dark, cold room, closing the door behind them to shut out the incredulous faces of Cleo and the solicitor. I know what you're going to say, said Rafe, staring out of the window at the enshrouded back garden. Don't go. I have to take this man out of the equation. It's his life or hers. She needs medical attention immediately, and we do not have the luxury of waiting to see if things get better, or the hope that he will simply leave us alone. The sands of my wife's hourglass are running out, and if I do not act now, she could be lost to us. Are you scared? I'm absolutely petrified, but far more of the consequences of inaction than of taking the necessary steps to save her. That man, that thing out there, seems more dangerous than any enemy I've faced. But my hope is that he has vulnerabilities, that they can be found in time for me to dispatch him straight. So... I must treat this as a mission, and a maneuver like any other into enemy territory. That, at least, I can handle. He turned to her, and in the candlelight she could see that potent mix of fear and the bravery to overcome it in those sad, determined eyes. All right. I put my faith in your abilities as a soldier. She paused, searching for the correct words, and qualified. But once he's dead, please let me go for the carriage. I would like my sister and aunt protected. Rafe nodded in agreement as she opened up the door again. He strode out, making a measured show of checking the shotgun. He closed the breech and pocketed the three remaining buckshot cartridges, lit a lantern handed to him by Cleo, and arranged himself in a practiced stance, holding the gun in his right hand and gripping the lantern in his left, with the barrel of the shotgun resting across his extended left arm. Angling himself sideways, he squinted down the barrel, then closed his eyes for twenty seconds to get used to the darkness. He breathed in and out slowly, attempting to control the spasming bursts of nervous energy, threatening every second to betray him in front of everyone. I am ready, he said at last, opening his eyes. Rebecca unlocked and pulled back the front door. A shaft of moonlight some fifty yards ahead lit up the lawn, not far from where they had been attacked earlier. Rebecca had expected Rafe to begin to slowly and carefully creep out, a little distance at a time. However, 
he marched on with purpose. It was neither noisy nor clumsily, but watchful, swift, and apprehensive. He changed position as he moved, turning the lantern to scan the periphery of the house, inspecting its environs, always searching for the reflection of two eyes in the darkness. His legs worked smoothly, and he sent the light out to his left to survey the forest, and to the right, examining the track leading up to the road. In the doorway, Rebecca, Cleo, and Dawson strained their eyes to see if anything was moving close to the lantern-carrying figure as he stalked the distance between here and the Stacy farm. How long do you suppose he'll be out there? As long as it takes. What if he's still searching by morning? Rafe had just crossed into the moonlight and appeared to be shaking his head. Then we shall sleep in shifts and guard the door, wait for our carriage, and hope that Amanda is in a fit state to travel. What if he doesn't come back? (laughs) The gun went off, and a flash like an orange flower tore the air for a nanosecond. In that moment, they beheld the outline of the creature. Having passed out of sight for so long, its existence had diminished in possibility. Without this reappearance, they might have doubted whether they had seen it at all. But suddenly, it was there, for that moment. Rafe roared in fury and shock, and leapt backwards as the shape sprang towards him. That much they saw. He brought the barrel to bear and fired off a second shot. Just before he did, they heard a cry, a rasping, melancholy, howling hiss, as its face locked into a wide, manic, terrifying smile. The second shot went off. The thing moved at the same time, and the lantern fell to the floor. Rafe aimed a savage blow with the butt of the shotgun and caught it in the shoulder. But then it sprang upon him like a cat and brought him down, splayed out in the pool of moonlight as everyone in the doorway screamed. (coughs) Rebecca was vaguely aware that Amanda had joined them and now clutched onto her, staring at the scene. That manic face was buried in Rafe's neck as its claws dug into his stomach and they heard him cry out. The wild form moved swiftly and extricated itself as he struggled. Rafe kicked out and spun to claw his way back up. His leg was trapped. They saw his face stricken with alarm. Then his body lurched in agony as his attacker broke him at the knee. Amanda was now rushing out towards him. Rebecca instinctively grabbed hold of her, quite forgetting that if her sister was not here, it would be she who would be the one rushing out to aid Rafe. No! Rafe cried out in a strangled gasp. Stay! Rebecca met his eyes and saw three things there. Panic the kind an animal would feel within a mutilating trap, an earnest protectiveness that even now compelled him to ensure his sacrifice would not be for nothing. And beneath those two wildly conflicting feelings, she saw regret. Shoving everybody bodily back inside, Rebecca began to throw the door closed. The last thing anybody saw was the monster advancing on Rafe as he managed to raise himself to one knee, his white collar soaked now with dark blood. With his last ounce of strength, he swung the shotgun towards the creature's skull. It dodged. The door slammed. You have been listening to the New Century Multiverse. Let Them Go. Episode 7. Course of Action. 
Written, narrated and directed by Alexander Shaw. Rebecca Wolverton, performed by Sharon Shaw. Rafe Culver, performed by Spencer Leap. Burwell Dawson, performed by Matt Ramsey. Cleo Spencer, performed by Loretta Saylor. Reign Supreme and Vanishing, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes provided by Tabletop Audio. The production of New Century is funded by you guys on Patreon. And our special $15 sponsors get name-checked each week. So a huge extra thank you to Joel Robinson, Abel Savard, Rune Lord Firiano, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Sarah Montgomery, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicol, Jameis Enright, Mark Lush, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Junkius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, David Garcia Abril, Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisholm. At this moment, 168 miles to the northeast, Jack Robinson awoke with a start, feeling in his canine bones that something terrible had happened. <laughs>